Hello and welcome to the North America Gaelic Football Podcast, the home of Gaelic football here in North America. I am your host, Gareth McElinden, along with our co-host, Limerick's finest, Connor Green. Before we get started, just a quick shout out to our sponsors, Mesida, who have been the official sponsor of the USGA since 2017. If you have a club, if you or your club has any interest in getting involved uh, with Mesida for the upcoming season, whether that's jerseys, gear, training, training wear, whatever you guys need, feel free to reach out to us. We'll get you in t- touch with the people at Mesida. So, without further ado, I would like to welcome Tanner and Kim with the NCGAA. Uh, Kim, Tanner, welcome to the show. How's everything going? Good. Oh, All right. Yeah. So, why don't we just get right into it? So, uh, Tanner, do you want to give us a little bit about uh, your background uh, of Gaelic football, hurling, and what got you into the GA? Yeah, so I was first introduced to Gaelic sports the my freshman year here at the University of Montana up here in Missoula. Went to first couple trainings. Uh, it was pretty fun. It was, you know, very much uh, a pretty ragtag. Uh, we basically just had the two Hurleys that Nisha brought over with him, a couple slitters, and and a bunch of people who were who were interested in in trying this game out. So uh, from there. Uh, got the club going at the university, played our, our first tournament that fall and went on to uh, to win our first collegiate nationals uh, in New York that following spring. Um, and from there, it just kind of snowballed into now we're here. We just had our 10th anniversary tournament um, back in April and brought a bunch of people back over the years and just had a good time kind of looking back on the last decade of of hurling here in Montana and you know, from it, you know, that collegiate program, then spawning an adult team that competes in the USGA and trying to get a club going in Butte. And we're this summer, we're looking at trying to get a couple other clubs. We've got some people uh, throughout the state who have kind of spread out and now they're starting to get to know about it. So uh, pretty, uh, pretty standard story compared to what we hear from a lot of the uh, people who've been exposed to the NCGA, whether it's hurling or Gaelic uh, football, that that gets them going, and uh, just something that's it's been a huge part of the last ten years of my life, and um, and doing all that is a uh, I'm glad to be able to be now part of the board for the NCGA, trying to get some more of these teams going, make sure they've got nationals every year, and trying to build out like a regular season and more competition and. Uh, that sort of thing. So uh, it's uh, it's been it's been pretty awesome. I'm glad to glad to have been a part of it and continue to be. So perfect. And Kim, want to kick us off? How did I get into Gaelic? How did you get into Gaelic sports? Well, I I play lacrosse and I ref and coach lacrosse. And uh, I think like just after so long, um, I swam in college, played rugby in college too. I think you just kind of need like a switch up a little bit. And it's, it was a great crossover. And I had been coaching lacrosse for so long. And then CU Boulder approached me just to help with like, you know, coaching is just more than just being like the best player. It's really about like making sure drills are known and, and taught and equipment and just to get like, you know, things done and, uh, I joined the board in 2016 um, and we've grown 
And I mean, it's been thanks to a lot of Fulbright scholars like Nisha, like the one that Tanner mentioned, like people like that are so crucial to the growth uh, at the college level. And, you know, we get great people like that. And then, you know, we got Tanner because of it. And now Tanner's on the board. You know, I think just recognizing the people and these kids that want to start these clubs and, you know, they are go-getters and they, they went and found me and then Tanner and those guys started an adult club. So I think uh, hurling is just another great way to be involved in sports in a community, especially if you play at other sports. I feel like anywhere in life, you're kind of always looking for that uh, to be a part of something. So, you know, I, I kind of just got sucked in like most people. You know, I played a sport and you're like, this looks fun and I get a stick. So you can't be mad. And you get to hit, you get to hit people. Yeah. Wow. Love that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the old saying, hit or be hit, right? Yeah. And I just hit. <laughs> I love it. So, can you talk a bit about the um, the NCGA? When did that first start up in the, in the U.S.? So before the NCGA started up, there were actually a few college clubs that came about. And uh, so you had like the uh, Colorado collegiate system, there was what was called the Midwest collegiate GAA. And then um, in 2011, they decided to kind of like combine just to create a national tournament. And um, I mean, back then they even had like UCLA, Stanford. um, I think one of our oldest teams is Purdue. Is that right, Tanner? Yep. And um, yeah, I believe Matt, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but Everyone knows Matt who started Purdue and he stuck around and coached that club and they've done a great job. They've been a great club for so many years and, you know, like, uh, so 2011 and then I think we just grew, the pandemic hit us really hard. So um, we're having a comeback from that. I I think a lot of people realize we only get these players for four years and we lost two of them basically to the pandemic. And so a lot of your upperclassmen who run all the admin stuff weren't around to show the underclassmen what to do. And so we lost a lot of teams due to that. And we've worked really, really hard the last two years to get those teams back as well as start new teams. So, um, yeah, the NCJ, we're just all about getting college kids a place to go. So I think uh, a lot of people have lately been hearing about the World Health Organization talking about depression being a global pandemic. And studies have shown when you're part of something in a team and a group, it helps with that. And also studies have shown that being a part of these clubs helps with grades, it helps with their success later in life. So for me and Tanner, it's, it's really awesome to be a part of that, you know, just to help. I mean, I... I'm 44. I can't imagine what it is to be in your 20s right now and how hard that must be. And and if we can like provide this and give them somewhere to go, that's not like a video game or just alone. You know, I, I feel like that age group is so alone right now. And yeah, if them go and something to look forward to is really important to the board. Myself and Gareth, we, we've talked about it a few times before. Like, uh, like, like one thing I just love about Ireland is uh, there's such a heavy emphasis on sports and amateur sports. Like, like the GA in particular is a very community amateur. You play all your life. It's like, like in the US is this the sports scene is much more. You're you're playing to make your career, and after that, it's kind of people just a lot of people just pack it in, you know. Um, so yeah, just giving giving people that that thing to do that gets them out of bed in the morning is is really amazing. Like, isn't it? Um, and you you can see how that would help with your with every aspect of life, really, especially with your education and all that. 
Yeah. And no, none of the teams cut players, you know, everybody gets to play. And I think a lot of kids who like sports, but just haven't had that opportunity because they're expensive. We don't charge dues, you know? So like, I mean, I know to go play lacrosse in some universities, it's $5,000 to play club lacrosse a semester and things like that. And, you know, and like some people, they just, they can't make the team, but it's like, no, come out. Like, you know, this is a community, like you want to learn about Gaelic, you want to play, we will give you that opportunity. And we always are creating opportunities at even the national level for everybody to get to play a decent amount. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes for a decent opportunity for the GEA there, you know, if, if they're charging that kind of money to play these other similar sports, like, you know, um, so interesting. What's what's funny as well, we, uh, I mean, especially some of these, you name some, you see them some big colleges there. Uh, UCLA, uh, Purdue, uh, look at uh, even clubs like Notre Dame. Uh, a lot of those colleges do semesters abroad. And a lot of them do it in Ireland. So we had one person in one of our previous episodes from the LA Cougars, and he got introduced to Gaelic football through studying abroad. Uh, so with a lot of these schools, a lot of these kids come back and to find out that there's a Gaelic football or hurling team in their campus, I mean, it's... It's a phenomenal opportunity to grow it. Yes, you only have them for that four years, uh, but you know it does get them that itch to get into it. Um, and you even, even talk about, about studying abroad, though, because um, we had about close to fifty Irish exchange students, and about twenty-five of them had never played Gaelic until they got to America. So they actually got to America on the exchange, and were like, "Shoot, there's an Irish club." And they, and like, I, I think it was close to two dozen of them had never played Gaelic football or camogie or hurling in Ireland and finally played it here at the NCJA. Well, also not just players. Um, they talked about uh, Peter. We had Peter Murdy, uh, who is the chairperson of the Northeast. Uh, he brought up a good point that just because you're not a player doesn't mean there's not a spot for you in the club. There is admin positions. There is coaching positions. There is, there is other things that you may be good at that, yeah. you know, you could fit into. It doesn't matter. Like I said, you might not be the most athletic person. You might not be the best, the most talented player. Uh, but there are some people that are absolutely fantastic at an admin. And yeah. we need those too. So, yeah. well, uh, and they're still part of that same community. Yeah. Well, and, and like you said, referees as well. There's like a, a referee pandemic right now or we just have no referees uh they're having to travel all over the country uh to to be in as many tournaments as possible and 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 that's another thing where it's like you know and hopefully you know we've really tried to be very specific in who we ask to come and officiate at our tournaments because we very much want not only just good officiating but somebody who can who can maybe turn a couple turn a couple eyes as to oh maybe maybe that's something i should go get um registered and take the class and and start doing this so that you know if every club has a ref now all of a sudden you have that many more refs and it's something obviously it's been a battle for for years and years and years that's nothing new but like you said not not everyone has to be has to be a starter a starting player in order to be involved just uh just curious no what's what would your thoughts be on the refereeing scene in the ga because you no, know, for myself myself and gareth you know we both refereed a handful of games recently and it's it's no fucking 
no easy task whatsoever. Oh, and no. I think I think the culture in the GA isn't really helping it at times because you watch you watch a game on TV and they're literally they're picking apart the referee's performance to the the micro inch, like like you know. A, ball, yeah. a fella picks a ball off the ground, you know, they're saying, oh, look, it bounced up a millimeter off the ground, you know, and it's like, Jesus, how is he supposed to see that, you know? Uh, oh, so yeah. just curious, what, what what do you think about about that now? Because it's, no, it's, it's tough it's, enough to get them these days, you know, isn't it? Oh, it's it's horrible. And and, and a lot of times what I've noticed uh, playing in the USGA now for, for 10 years is the problem is, you know, because of the lack of refs, there's a lack of training. And so you end up with a lot of these tournaments, especially the smaller tournaments where, you know, it's, it's, it's basically whoever draws the short straw is the ref for the game. And each team just is responsible for a game. And a lot of times, so you have people who are out there who, who only kind of know the rules, but as a player. And, and so they, they start trying to officiate and they start getting chirped at and yelled at and harassed by the players when they're just trying to do their best and then uh, you know, eight times out of 10, they're coming out of that. I'm never going to do that again. I'll never, I would never do that. And, and it just sucks. Cause, and, and, you know, you talk to players and stuff like that. And I know at least up here in the Northwest, we've really tried to put an emphasis and, and we do the same in the NCGA with our players is we really emphasize players are not, to talk to the refs outside of if it's a captain, if it, if there's a genuine question, Hey, I don't understand what that call. Can you explain it to me or anything like that? That's fine. But if there's any sort of the like, Oh, come on ref. Like, Oh man, open your eyes. Like your butt. Any, any of that harassment gets shut down immediately. Cause it just ruins it for everybody. <laughs> that's, that's a nice way to put it. You know, yeah, I, I thought exactly. I thought that was a very nice way to put it. Standards being way nicer than he should be, because I mean, at the NCGA, it's actually in our bylaws. Oh like, yeah. You disrespect the refs. The ref doesn't have to call you out. You have to deal with me and Tanner then. And these yeah. players know that. Like, there's none of this talking back. It's not accepted. And you can ask yeah. any college player if they do that, what the consequences are, and they are real. And this is yeah. you're not going to get refs. If you don't have your program backing your referees, we, we yep. keep getting the same good refs because we back them. Parents aren't allowed to talk back to them. Players aren't. They get nothing. If you don't shake hands with the other team or the ref, you don't play anymore. You're just done. Like no one's out there making money. The refs are losing money being there actually, as are the rest of us. And if you can't show respect, but here's the problem. Like I think we'd have more refs if these tournaments backed their referees. Oh, I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast, it was at the over 40 tournament, saw me stop several games midway. And I stormed out there and I kicked grown ass adults off the field. Like it's not acceptable. Like Tanner, I think I did it your game, did another game, stopped. I was no, like, no, it's not happening. You didn't have to step into my game, just Sean's. Uh, I, I had 100% control over every game I initiated, okay? <laughs> like, Kim's watching. She'll kick us off right now. Kimberly, you need to come up and referee a couple of games up in Boston. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> need a bit of, I need a bit of structure up here um, well, I mean, that's with a uh, refereeing. And uh, just to let you know, me and Connor are both registered referees. So whenever you need, you know, 
Yeah. When's that next? When's that next tournament? We'll we'll talk about that in a bit. But you know, you need a. Uh, you could arrange a police escort, maybe, or something like that yeah. after yeah. the game. You know. We'll just send me and Tanner. That's enough. Trust my me. Eyesight, my eyesight wouldn't be great, like you know. So. All right. Enough of this referee stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're getting off topic here. Um, yeah. So just to get back to the NCGA, how, uh, do you have an idea of how many colleges and how many players? are playing Gaelic games across the U.S.? Oh, God. A lot. I can't even name it off the top of my head because we've been working with, like, six new clubs that just starting up for the fall. Yeah. Like, I mean, we've got, we have over, we have about two dozen, I believe. Yeah. Two dozen. Yeah. yeah I th- yeah, I'd say, I'd what say are, uh, years, we've, we, have a, we have a very solid core of about eight to 12 teams. Um, especially now that football has kind of become more solidified. Um, and, and some of those teams have been around for, for 10 plus years. Um, that's, that'd be, you know, Montana, UConn, uh, CU Boulder, Cal Berkeley, Purdue, Pitt, um, are kind of like the, the very center core. Yeah. Holy cross. We've got, uh, a team hoping to get started here in Memphis, um, Nashville. Um, there's, there's a club hoping to get started down in Arizona. Um, yep. Uh, we've been in talks with somebody up in Michigan, but they're kind of hit or miss. So that's always, it. it's one of those where it seems like every summer we end up with, you know, you, you get 10 new clubs who are all 10 people who are really excited to start clubs. And, and we're really happy if we get two or three solid ones started out of that. And a lot of times it's like you said, it's, it's a, it's a, a club up in Holy Cross where, where they're very close to an adult club that's willing to help them run practices, order gear, fundraise that sort of thing and and when those clubs can coexist as opposed to feeling like they're competing against each other that's where we've seen the huge growth because then when if the adult club has a summer where numbers are short you know people have moved away they're really struggling well they have the college club to kind of lean on and then vice versa when the college club is having a turnover in leadership well there's the that solid foundation of an adult club that can be like hey have you book to your practice fields. Hey, did you remember to make sure you have jerseys? When are your tournaments? Are you traveling? Do you want to come play with us? Like, um, that's where we've seen. And is like, the, yeah. Is the college season, is, I presume it's, is it spring and kind of fall or what, when, um, when, when do the colleges usually play now? Yeah. Play so okay. up until the end of March. Up until the end of March. We're the exact opposite of the USGAA season. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, fall yeah. semester is, is a lot more of our like regional tournaments. So we're, we're trying to encourage teams to, to practice to, or to go and play against teams that are within, you know, four hours of, of them and play in the regions that we've kind of split up based on where teams are located. Um, and then spring is, is nationals and that's where people are kind of getting their last couple fundraisers in and, and getting ready for for nationals um is, kind uh, of is every team invited to nationals no you have to qualify and in order to qualify you have to compete in your school's regional event and then also now have a certain number of games that have been played so because uh what we're trying to do is 
in order to get recognized by the school and more school funding, if they have like a schedule set up, like the school recognize that they have more access to funding. And so right now you are required to play at your fall regional or you can't come to nationals uh, in order to qualify. And now we have, you have to play one other uh, university game throughout the year, but we're kind of setting up a schedule anyways, where the schools in the semester will probably get like three or four games in outside of the regionals. And then they also go and compete at USGA tournaments. So, um, so sometimes we have to be a little bit different on our qualifications because like, for instance, Navy can't compete and leave if they have a home football game because they're cadets and they're required as cadets to attend that. And Citadel has a lot of like training things. So sometimes you have to really like know the school's system and you have to work with what those kids have to work with. Yeah, but the one and most important thing is you have to compete at your division's regional tournament in order to come to the national tournament. Yeah. yeah. And they um, have to be officially uh, affiliated with that school, right? Yep. Yeah, so we'll let them start off. Like a lot of schools make the clubs go through a probationary period. And that's what we're we're helping them with the paperwork. We're helping them put together their and we're helping them speak to the uh, club athletic directors. And so they're allowed to be in just as long as they're in the process of going through that application, they're allowed to come. But there are some schools where like Carnegie Mellon University is a very arts minded school. and um, and so they can't have sports clubs, but they're allowed to go and play with Pitt because that's the nearest school. There's a couple tech schools in Indiana where they can't have sports clubs, but if they're registered and going, they can play with Purdue as long as they attend the practices. So, you know, we try to make it as po as much as possible for them to get the opportunity to play, but also like fall within like just the NCAA and the U.S. bylaws and these universities rules. And there's a crap ton of bureaucracy. Like you think it's hard at the adult level, like come down here with the, it's like being kicked in the stomach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. Just to go back on what you were saying there, Tanner, about the, you know, like it, it's, it's, it seems to have thrived a bit more where there's in places where there's an adult club in place already. Um, it seems, seems like a no brainer that like the two can really help out each other, especially with the, with this way the schedule works and all that. Um, so how, how would you like, are you guys getting much support now from the USGA? At this point, no. Uh, other than our clubs are able to compete at USGA tournaments other than nationals. And qualifying. Um, so we can go to the major qualifying tournaments. But outside of that, uh, we've kind of just operated as, as our own entity. Um, you know, we don't participate in the AGM or, or anything like that, or, um, or really do much, um, much with them outside of, outside of just playing in, in some tournaments with teams. So, um, but yeah, our, our board doesn't really interact with their board, uh, much at all. Uh, if ever, <laughs> usually if only if there's, if there's some sort of controversy, it seems like then all of a sudden everyone's interested, but <laughs> Controversy in the GA. I really wish that people would recognize how beneficial the colleges are and that you want to grow hurling and Gaelic football and camogie. You're not doing it by finding some like overweight 40 somethings at the bar. You know what I mean? Like, and you're not getting the 10 year olds. The people who are starting the clubs are at the college level 
Like most of our clubs aren't started by CYC kids either because they don't want to put the work in. They've tried and they're the clubs that usually fail. All right. So like, you've got to give us support and stop fighting us all the time. Like we're just trying to grow Gaelic and doing it at the 20 something level. We are pumping out players that know how to start clubs, maintain clubs, do admin work and how to participate in tournaments. And we also don't let them be dicks to referees. So the fact that we're out here on an island getting butt fuck all for support is like triply infuriating. And I'm sure a lot of people watch this podcast pissing all over my face, I'm sure, on their computer. And I don't care because you know what? Like Tanner and I <laughs> bust our asses. We're putting in 20 hours a week each easily. We talk to these kids. It's not like one of those like, OK, you're starting a club. Godspeed. We walk them through the process. We read their bylaws with them. We talk to their club sports. We show them how to order equipment. We help them with fundraisers and they don't pay any dues. So all the money we have is to this new fundraising idea that we had, which is the Knees That Crack Over 40 tournament. And that's how we're going to be able to make sure all these new clubs exist. So those USGA clubs get all these fresh young players that they want. So, I mean, I know everybody loves a little controversy, but I'm telling you right now, we're tired and we're tired of the crap. So it's like support us or just leave us alone at this point. Because also Tanner and I aren't going anywhere and you can be as much of a dick to us as you want. We're not leaving. <laughs> so you can tell we've had a day at the NCGAA. Do, do you think, do you think there is an opportunity for some kind of partnership down the line where, you know, you would almost like, you would almost think that the two are affiliated. You would think uh, you know, that, football right? You would is think. under one company. You would think. I think honestly, you we need some change up in higher admin level positions. Like you know what I mean. Like it seems to be the same rerun. And I I know other people are exhausted. And I mean, when you ask us if we deal with USGA, it's like I can't keep having Groundhog's Day. You know. So I believe if maybe. It's not the same regime coming in. And if all these USGA clubs decide that they're sick of the same old, same old, I imagine there could be a brighter future. But right now, the NCGA future looks real nice. We have a lot of new clubs. We help these kids. We take, I take text messages at 4 in the morning and at 11 p.m. at night. And they ask us some dumb things. <laughs> and we answer every message they send no matter what time of day. You can ask any college kid that. We have never waited. I've never waited longer than an hour to answer a text. And they all have our personal cell phone numbers. It's uh, it's funny with kids, uh, you know, around that age, <clears throat> you know, 18 through 23, maybe, or something like that. You know, uh, I, I notice it a lot. Like, I, I, I do, uh, I'm the PRO of our club, like, so I kind of get messages from new players and all that. And it's almost a nervous excitement or something. They're, they're asking you a million questions and it's like, Jesus, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it's okay. They're, they're yeah. 20 years old. I want them to ask the questions. Yeah, like, yeah. So I'd rather you ask yeah, the question yeah, exactly. than really mess it up. <laughs> because if you mess it up at this university level, these schools are not as forgiving. The thing a lot of people don't realize is um, the NCGA could actually have a beer sponsor, but the clubs can't. They can't have an advertisement in America oh. that is an alcoholic sponsor on their jerseys. I do have here Funky Murphy's. Yep, see, not technically alcohol, but they sell enough of it anyway. 
Shout out, shout out to Funky Murphy's. Love them. And I would love to have Colin Desi. Best in the world. These kids can't have bar on their chest when half of them are underage. And that's like a law in yeah. America. So sometimes when I do go to these adult tournaments, I'm like, that kid's 20 and they've got Guinness on their chest. As clubs, you're actually supposed to be ordering jerseys that don't have that for underage players. Fun fact. And it's sad because a lot of these kids, a lot of these kids are keeping these bars in business because that's where they're going, right? Uh, you know, in nineteen twenty. So, you know, they just want to help their, you know, they just want to help the guys out that are, you know, that are letting them into the bar at twenty years of yeah. age with their fake IDs. They're keeping so, the economy going. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I think going forward, I I think where. I think where the the compromise has to be is I think the that the USGA kind of as a as a whole needs to and and or the youth GA because I know that they're kind of uh, the same but different. Um, there's got to be a we can work together, but we need to be an own thing. Kind of like what Kim's mentioned a couple times today already is there's a lot that goes into organizing the colleges where a lot of these clubs have rules that, so we're, we have our rules, which are of course very similar in bylaws to a lot of the USGA bylaws and all those division bylaws and GA bylaws as a whole, but also everything that we have to do in order to be compliant with these colleges since they're club teams and stuff like that. And sometimes it, it feels like there isn't a lot of room and understanding for well, this is how we, they're telling us we have to do it. And it's like, well, that's not how it's done. And it's like, well, it is, <laughs> you know, like, I know we go back and forth with like the whole co-ed thing. Cause every, all of our, all, all the sports we play have to be co-ed because of title nine. Um, and of course the USGA level, that's a hot topic debate on whether hurling and Gaelic football and stuff like that is allowed to be co-ed and when it is and when it isn't. And it's like, well, if the college teams are going to be involved, they have to be co-ed. And so, um, you know, that's it's it's where I, I think there is a future where where they do they do work together a lot more. But it has to be under that, like, we can work with you, but not for you or under you sort of a thing. Do you see a future with tournaments being co-ed? Ooh, I'd like to think so, but. I also thought that 10 years ago and here we are. <laughs> uh, I know, you know, being up here in the, in the Northwest, like um, when, when they really decided to step down on not allowing co-ed, basically not allowing for us, it was not allowing ladies to play hurling. That, that actually really was a detriment to our adult club because we had a significant number of, girlfriends and wives and stuff like that of of people who were on our team and were playing and then all of a sudden it was like well i mean you can still practice with us but you can't you're not allowed to play and at games and it was like oh well if they come they can just play on the camogie team it's like they don't want to play on the camogie team they want to play hurling that's what they're that's the team they're on and that's what they're trying to practice uh and and so it, it was a huge blow to us. And I know in that it's now been a couple of years since they, since they cracked down on it. And now it seems like nobody really cares as much anymore. Um, but that's kind of seems to be the cycle, but you'd like to think, especially if they keep kind of changing the rules to make the sports, 
more and more similar. I mean, eventually it's like, what's the difference? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Do you ever, uh, I, I thought it was funny there years ago. Um, it might've been a little bit before your time in the GA, but, um, you know, like the hurling and camogies under, uh, you know, two different umbrellas, obviously two different sets of rules almost. Um, but when they made helmets mandatory in Ireland, they didn't bring, they weren't mandatory for a few years after that uh, in Camogie. So, you know, you go to hurling game, you used to be seeing, you know, you know, years ago, you used to be seeing all these hard fuckers, like fucking, you know, no helmets. Um, and then you get, you know, you get used to just everyone has a helmet, but then you watch a Camogie game on TV and it's like, oh, Jesus, yeah, these, these, uh, these tough yeah. women are still, no they helmet. have skill. They don't need yeah. to put a helmet. They, they have yeah. skills. <laughs> Yeah. There, there's yeah. a there's a girl that uh, comes to our practice and she will wipe the floor off oh, yeah. 90 percent plus of our team um oh I yeah mean, she, uh, she's from our... she's from ireland yeah yeah oh she would she would be one of our one of our best players i would say i think she, she's oh, played yeah. with us in a few tournaments and definitely has stood had... out from what i from what i've heard anyway <laughs> We had for a couple of years, um, we had Liam Rush's sister uh, was attending the University of Montana, Gemma. Um, she played for our team the whole time she was here, and she was the meanest person on the field. Like, she was nasty. Uh, we all learned how to, like, actually play hurling from her. Um uh, and yeah, a lot of the, the, some of the best players that we've had come through our team over the last decade have, have been the ladies. And, um, and it, it's always funny cause it always comes back to, oh, well, you know, it's all about protecting them and making sure they don't get hurt. And it's just like, when we decide to walk on the field and play, we all know full well, the consequences that, that could happen. It's not any different and they're the same. It's not like, it's not like when we have Sophie or Gemma or Claire or any of these people walk on the field, they're like, well, I hope I don't get hurt because I'm a girl. It's like, I expect people to hit me and I expect to be knocked over and I expect to give it right back. <laughs> like, well, let me make that decision. It's an, it's an old argument. It's an old crappy sexist argument. They used to not let women compete in the Boston Marathon because we were too delicate. And when one of the women just joined into the Boston Marathon and started running, you can Google it. There are pictures of these old men trying to rip her off the field. They were so offended. And they said, it's not safe for women to be out here. They can't handle it. They can't run a marathon. And I mean, if you're saying in this sport, like you are that same person back then, that was just saying the same ignorant statement that is tired. If Here's my thing. If you're good enough to play, play. So obviously this year, so last year was a pretty successful uh, nationals for you guys. It was in Kentucky, right? Yeah, it was in Louisville. Uh, who, uh, what was all the big clubs there and who won the football in Harlem? Yeah, so we had, this was this was kind of our first major tournament since COVID where we had like a really solid turnout from a lot of our teams. I think we had close to 200 players overall. Um, Notre Dame, Pitt, Purdue, UConn. Uh, Navy sent a football team, Colorado, Montana, Citadel, Citadel, and CUA. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's everybody. everybody who came because I know Fordham Sacred um, Heart couldn't come yet. Yeah, and Cal, and Cal couldn't Cal come, and Virginia Tech and Gonzaga couldn't come. 
So, but it was, yeah. it was good. Yeah. It was a fun turnout. It, it was great. Weather. Great two day tournament. Uh, you know, the kind of sloppy weather you love to see uh, for Gaelic football and hurling and some nice, nice soggy pitches. Uh, um, but uh, everyone played great. The level of competition was awesome. Even from a lot of the, you know, a lot of these teams had, first year players um, for a majority of their roster. And I mean, the, the level of competition always just amazes me um, seeing what these, what these teams are capable of, capable of and what they put together. Cause a lot of times the, the coaches of these teams are just the players themselves. Um, and so to see, see how they do it. Um, but um, yeah, the is probably both the football final and the hurling final on, on the Sunday were, Two of the most entertaining games I've ever seen. Uh, Navy and Notre Dame went at it for the football final. And, you know, I'm not a huge football guy. Uh, I know it's blasphemous to say here. But, um, I mean, it was just, it was an intense game. It was great. It was physical. It was hard fought. Um, and Notre Dame ended up coming out on top that one. Um, uh, for the hurling final, uh, also Notre Dame, they made it to both finals. And then um, uh, they played against Pitt. And is great, um, you know, is is a hurling match you you love to see is high scoring, good physical game, lots of skill back and forth between who was who was on top. Um, it was a it was a great uh, as a board member. It was a great game because either uh, result was historic. It was either going to be not only Notre Dame's first nationals, but it would have been the first time we've had a team win both football and hurling in the same year. Um, and if Pitt won, which they ended up doing it, it was their fourth national victory in a row. So they they now are tied with Montana for the most national titles in the NCGA, but with the caveat of all four of theirs, uh, they're in the middle of a huge dynasty right now, um, which was which is just incredible to see. So yeah, both both finals ended up very well. Teams competed well um yeah it was a great tournament it was a it was a good time it was crazy for us it always is I always come back from those tournaments just exhausted uh. as anyone who's organized the tournament knows but it was it was phenomenal I, nothing 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 but good things yeah I think one of the biggest things is this was our biggest tournament back since COVID which was a really big deal mm -hmm. and um I mean we just have to give a huge shout out to Mickey and Charles in uh, Ireland at the Global Games for helping us out with a grant so we could do that. Because like we said earlier, like we don't charge the kids like membership dues. Uh, they do pay like 30 bucks to get to play at nationals. And we put that towards like the referee flights and hotels and stuff like that. But uh, Charles and Mickey and the Global Games grant uh, really helped us out as we're getting bigger because you just need more stuff. And, uh, you know, you need more fields, you need more referees, you need more nets and all that other stuff. So um, they gave us uh, some grant money and we really, really appreciate all of their help and support. And then uh, also, I mean, we we are so grateful to Wicked Shamrock Photography. Amanda has just been such a great support to the NCGA. I mean, the whole time me and Tanner have been around and she comes out and takes the most amazing photos of the players so they can use that, you know, for their school newspapers, for marketing on their websites, and we can use it the same way. So, I mean, this tournament was a really big deal. It was a huge turning point for the NCGA that we're just going to get bigger. 
And I think it showed more clubs that they want to be a part of it and to maybe start a club so they can come play. And, uh, and that, I mean, it's due to all the work of like, you know, Tanner and Owen and what Charles and Mickey were able to, you know, as we applied for that grant. And I mean, Rob and Kim Rayburn are just a godsend to the NCGA. They're just such a great support system. And, you know, we luck out that we get Stephen Power and Coop to come out and ref. And and now that we know you two are refs, we we might give you a trial run. We'll see. Yeah. We might have to, mm-hmm. we might have to come out and like just see what you guys do. Well, we we might have to come down because there's there's going to be new kids on the block. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Potential new national champions from Worcester, Mass. Yeah. <laughs> um, so hopefully hopefully we can uh, if there's any way we can help them get ready. You know, we'll obviously do our part to help them out. But no, it'd be great. Those kids are doing so great over there too. Like. We've been in contact with them and they've been awesome asking all the right questions. And I mean, these kids should be applauded that start clubs because it's not easy. I mean, because we can help them, but they have to be there and do the process through the university. And when they do that, I mean, it's it's not easy and they should really be applauded for that hard work and, you know, the effort that it is involved in order to get that status with the school. We're going to have the two lads on an upcoming podcast. So if you have anything you want to tell them. They're doing great. <laughs> like we're so impressed by ever all their hard work, them and the Memphis kids and the University of Georgia kids and the, the player at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Like they're just on it and they're doing so good. Like it's, it's hard to start a club at the college level. Like the schools don't make it easy on purpose to make sure you're serious because they give money to that so you know like they they don't always make it very easy any advice for those kids that are maybe thinking of starting a team that like you know maybe one of the most important things to contact us because we've seen every amount of crazy they may encounter and we have a counterpoint to it so if you visit the ncgaa.org you can even look at the top bar it says how to start a club and then we give tips on like things you might run into, like things to say and, you know, just like, I mean, like doing it on your own is great, but there, the NCJ exists to help. That's all we want to do is just help. Like we're not getting paid to do this. Like, so obviously we want to do this. We want to help. And, you know, just as long as you can handle getting an email from me every week asking for updates. <laughs> And the USGA club locally gets updates from me too. Or I was like, are you helping them? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to do is like contact us and we can tell you exactly where to go on campus. We can tell you who you want to talk to. We can tell you if there's already even been a club there before. And, yep. you know, like that's all we do. That's all we want to do is just help. So, and and we spend many, many hours doing it and we like doing it for them. So, Yeah ncgaa.org <laughs> it's a great website it also talks about our fundraising tournament so you talked a bit about the funding of the ncga and a new a new tournament that has popped up which i think is great to see is the knees that crack tournament so can you talk a bit about yeah, that the knees that crack tournament um i actually like thought of it when i was running a training and i was like if i have to chase after another 20 year old i'm just gonna drop dead on the pitch because i'm 44 And I was just, I was like, oh my God, like there should be something for me. And I was like, it's an untapped market. Like, so the whole process of it is, is 
you know, help us fundraise to pay for your replacements. Because we're all we're all on our way out the door. We know we know where we stand at public. We know where we get picked once we reach a certain age. So sometimes we want to be the big fish in the pond again. And now you have the knees that crack over 40 tournament. And um, our first year was this last year, which was, I wouldn't even call it an adventure. I would say like, it was almost like a comedy of how many things might possibly go wrong that you have no control over, like just happened to us. But at the same time, you learn every lesson of everything that could possibly happen. Like the day before the tournament, the places where you, you get medics. So you can call up these companies and like you pay for a medic. They send you someone out there. They're like, oh, your medic has COVID. I'm like, great. Send us somebody else. Like there is nobody else. This is the busiest sports weekend in Las Vegas. We're like, well, we paid you. And they're like, we'll give you your money back. I'm like, but the tournament's in 12 hours. <laughs> like, like, what do you mean you have nobody? And they're like, sorry, not sorry. And we're like, what? So, I mean, enough of us are certified and things, but still it's always like, it's nice to have a medic at an over 40 tournament. And then just, I mean, when we booked fields, there were only like 50 people. And we're like, great, like this will be cute and fun. And then like the day after registration ended, a hundred people signed up and we're like, oh crap, like we don't have enough space. So we had to go through the city of Las Vegas to find bigger fields. And, and then they're like, hey, there's this one. And we're like, crap, that's far away from the hotel. And we had everyone stay at this hotel because it was in walking distance to the original field. So then we had to find a charter bus because we didn't think that was fair to the players for an unexpected cost, you know, because they were under the impression, as were we. I know my own father was actually one of the late registrants, I think. That's uh, no, he, he was actually over here. I think you might have seen him there, Garrett. Um, he was uh, he was over here in November, and I was saying, you know, he's 64 years of age, but he's he's a, he works for himself. He's a landscaper. Like, he's always on the move. Like, so he's in good, very good shape for a 64-year-old. Um, but he was over here in uh, Thanksgiving, or, or on Thanksgiving there last year. And uh, I was talking, I was like, oh, you should go to this Knees That Crack tournament. You know, it looks like looks like yeah. it'd be good fun. And he was, you know, that classic Irish attitude, like, oh, Jesus, no, I could never do that. No, no, Las yeah. Vegas, <laughs> like, you know, so. No, kudos to you for doing that because it's really uh, it's really an amazing thing to to see developing. Like, because, you know, people over the age of 40 would love to be doing things like this more often, I think, you know. So mm -hmm. the more the more things like this, and if, it, if it's a way that you can uh, bankroll the NCGA a bit, you know, all, all the – all the better you know yeah so, I will, i'll say it was super interesting too because for years we've been so strict on our bylaws on like behavior on the pitch and towards refs you know that like i mean these over 40s are feisty and um and they're yeah, at an age definitely. where they have no more cares to give and it was it was pretty funny though to be like i was like i think at one point i was like doing something and all i could hear in the background was this is a fundraiser why are you fighting <laughs> like, mm -hmm. i mean it was just like yeah and I'm, sure, I'm sure there's almost an aspect of that of at that thing there's probably like a few lads who probably haven't played harder than fucking 10 15 years and and it, it you know the game is changing like it's, it's oh, getting yeah. a little more a little more <laughs> soft like you know definitely <laughs> As, uh, like like all sports, really. I mean, so. I think we had like yeah. we had like yeah. ten to fifteen people that were over sixty, and I want to say like six of them were women over sixty that were out there, mm -hmm. and um, they were out there. Everyone's having a good old time, so yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and it's it's happening again this year. There were just 
it's happening again. So make sure you sign up like the first weekend in February. If you go to the ncgaa.org and you click on the over 40 tournament tab, that's where you'll find, that's where we'll update information. So an interest in that topic was the jerseys, but I didn't know there was an actual hidden meaning behind the jerseys. Uh, can you talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, so I usually, the, the kids are so creative, the college kids, that actually it was an alumni, Mora, from CU that came up with the knees that crack. And then um, the college kids came up with the jersey design. So I was like, okay, what should we do for a jersey? And one of them was literally in their dad's closet looking for an ugly sweater for an ugly sweater party. And he's all like, my dad has so many Argyle sweater vests. And uh, he drew it on a piece of paper and sent and texted it. And I was like, done. <laughs> That's the jersey. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's all like, my dad has a ton of these. And I'm like, how old do you think we are? And I was like, well, I guess I could have birthed you. Crap. <laughs> and it's like Vegas gambling, you know, <laughs> betting on horse races. So, you know, I, I can get the vibe, you know. And obviously the national tournament was in Kentucky too. So, I mean, there's a little bit of meaning behind that, I I suppose. Yeah. We like, we like to have fun. But I think people are going to be excited about Ogden, Utah. Like I feel like, so Weber State University is helping us out and Utah gets a bad rap, but man, that is a fun, fun state. (laughs) That's, I, I think. When when we released the schedule and everyone was slated to play four games, all of a sudden everyone was kind of like, uh, that's a Like, we didn't come here to play. We didn't to party. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Might as well gas them out a bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely earned the night on the town. That is for sure. So the upcoming 2024 tournament will be back in Vegas, right? Uh, will it be the same location or will it be a different location? Well, right now we do have a location reserved. Um, we're looking up for a backup location because uh, we're getting a lot of feedback that um, a lot more people might be coming, which is amazing and great. So I'm actually flying down to Vegas next month to meet with the Parks and Rec director and uh, walk through fields. So one of the hardest things about planning a tournament at places you don't live is really truly knowing the field positions but the city of las vegas seems to have gotten a new parks and rec director which we're super excited about so i'm gonna fly down there and meet with him and go over more field options and the nice thing about being the first weekend in february now um there's less going on in vegas so more is open to us so i mean eventually we are going after this one place that has these four beautiful fields and then we can just be as big as we want to be so everyone who's over 40 can play so, but I mean, just curious. Um, last year, wh- when did you first start organizing this? Are you ahead of? Are you a lot ahead of last year? Or yeah, so last year we yeah. we I I started putting it together in July, and the flyer leaked at a tournament, and he knows who he is, and he's probably going to watch his podcast, and I still shame mm-hmm. him. And then all of a sudden, uh, our inbox started blowing up. I was like, well, I guess we're doing this for sure. <laughs> But this year, like, I think uh, we now know how Vegas works a little better. And we already have the after party. We found a really cool Irish bar that we're going to have it at. And yeah, we are we are ahead of schedule, which is great. But I mean, our biggest thing is knowing how many people are coming. So, I mean, that's any tournament, right? Like, you don't know how many people are coming. You can't plan. And so we actually set up 
now for all of you watching, there's early registration that's cheaper. So if you register before October 1st, but if you register yeah. after October 1st, you're paying a little bit. That's how you get the patties to get their shit together. <laughs> yeah. Make, make it a money, a money incentive. You know? Yeah, we're, we're so. trying to make the money incentive. Um, but we definitely can't do any more post-registration deadlines. And that's based on the fact that you get a jersey at our tournament to play in. Mm -hmm. So, and we have to have enough time to order those and have them be in production. But if you do register uh, before October 1st, it's um, it's very discounted. And then after that, it is not discounted. But we will take your money and it will help grow the NCGAA. So don't feel bad. <laughs> I, hope those I hope those jerseys are Mesita, right? They're whoever wants to sponsor us. And we would love to talk to Mesita about a sponsorship. <laughs> they can go to ncgaa.org and hit the contact us form. And we would love. I mean, we're open to talk to whomever. Uh, De De uh, Desi's a more over the phone person. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll get you in contact with uh, with Des. But no, uh, I, I would say, you know, not because there's any personal <clears throat> for it, but you know, like in soccer here where they have like the over 40 soccer, like the over the hill league, but you can play like two over the age of 35. Just saying. No, uh, no, no. You know, so you know how many people uh, try to sneak in and lie about their age? Like, they're like, come on, I'm 38. And I'm like, you're not 40. You got to earn this. Like, something <laughs> happens at 40 and everything hurts all the time. And, you know, if you don't have at least five injuries to complain about, you don't get to play. And it doesn't happen until you're 40. Now, you, you guys all try to sneak in. Like there's so many people that tried to sneak in. <laughs> it was it was pretty entertaining. You know, uh, you know, you might get away with it. You know, when you're 21. So like, yeah. uh, I remember when I first came here, um, there was a couple of people who were 20, but they're the um, the month, the day, and the month are switched. Um, so let's just say you were like, let's just say it was in July, um. But it could have been like July like ninth. They they would switch back the front, uh, so yeah. they would almost think that they're twenty one already. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty fun. That's that pretty awesome. Funny. But yeah, you can't really do that with it. You can't really do that with a year you were born though. That's the only problem. Yeah, people yeah. tried, but I mean, you could uh, you could have maybe one game where you have uh, the older all stars against the, some younger lads you but go. you let the older lads get away with some shenanigans or something like that i know i know they do that in some rugby clubs they'll have the old boys will play a charity game against the younger lads and you know the older lads are like sneaking on like they'll have 18 players on the pitch and all this and you know they're slipping the referee some uh some brown envelopes and all that i think we should make the if the younger people want to play you got to play wearing oven mitts yeah Ooh, that, that could even the playing in the, in the Vegas in the Vegas heat. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. the like, Vegas heat like, of what, February, what I, like that's the best time to go. What about oh, about this football, football, yeah, February, what am I saying? Yeah, yeah. go watch what, all the. What about football? Because obviously, <laughs> Harlan's a little different. Yeah, the oven mitts. But how can you make that happen with football? Well, what can you do there? Oven mitts. <laughs> clowns, clowns, barefoot, clowns, young fellas, barefoot. Clown, like, the, like, the, like, uh, like the longest yard all over again there, the slave yeah. feet. Yeah. Or what about like you got to like the younger guys have to like tie a leg together like a three-legged race. Jesus. I mean, I'd watch oh, that. Any excuse, any excuse to get away to Vegas. If that's what it takes, 
that's what it takes. Well, really, really what we're learning is that the NCGA puts on some banging tournaments. So, you know, we might just have to start putting on more tournaments so people can all experience what it's like. <laughs> yeah, so everyone knows what a good NCGA time is. I mean, we actually get a lot of alumni who show up at the Nationals still just to hang out. So... Have you thought about Have you thought about linking up with the Mexico City Gaelic football team? There, um, we're uh, we're in in talks about a January tournament. There, Gareth is uh, Gareth is getting it off the ground. Supposedly, rumor has that it that would be fun. Well, we do have University of Toronto is one of our clubs. So, like that's nice about the NCGA is we we cover um, NYGAA, Canada GAA, and we actually do cover Mexico as well. So, I mean, I know there is a uh, University of Mexico down there. So we already have University of Toronto, like got a couple of New York schools. Like uh, I can I can yell things in Spanish. Just <laughs> just fine. <laughs> Too cold. Too cold, Toronto. What? Too cold. <laughs> Not about that. Not about that life. No. I'm about January. I'm about January 80, 90 degrees. Now we're talking my language. Yeah. Well, that's what's kind of crazy about the college schedule, right? Is like, think about Labor Day to like the 1st of April. And it is the most insane weather. So like, I mean, at Louisville, it just dumped rain. And we're like, okay, what do you do? And Utah, it could snow. You know, it might snow. And you know, they'll keep playing because I played lacrosse in the snow. So they can play hurling and football in the snow too. But I mean, like, that's another thing is like, you just don't know what the weather is, you know, like you were you all at that San Francisco final where it was like 110 degrees and everyone was just dropping like flies and San Fran had never had a heat wave like this that they actually brought in like medics with just bags of ice and they're just sticking it on people's heads. Like yeah, that was everyone was like passing out from the heat and it's like we're worried about like hurricanes and snow because I mean... It, it'll snow in Colorado in June, you know? So yeah. if you have the term in Colorado, like, it could snow. Like, I don't know. We could all get washed away with a hurricane. So, I mean, that's kind of the fun about us, too, is, like, these kids play in some crap weather, you know? I don't think I don't think you you 30-somethings could handle it. I think you'd complain too much. I'll <laughs> Listen, no complaining to me. Anytime we can get, anytime you can put the boots on and kick the ball or hit the ball around, yeah. you ain't going to get any much complaining from me. Yeah. It's the only advantage we might have over these young Irish fellas coming over for the summer. You know, it's like, uh, you know, maybe maybe they might not have drank enough water there and had too many beers last night, you know. So I, I welcome the heat anyway. My favorite is when we have nationals in Orlando, right? So the college kids are like, yeah, Orlando, there's a pool. And they get excited and they all fly down a couple of days early. And they're, you know, being college kids at a pool. And we're just laughing. We're like, you're going to hate your life tomorrow. <laughs> like, they're just yeah. sunburned, dehydrated. And we're like, drink some water. <laughs> like, it's pretty funny, but they still play. Like, God, to have that, that youth again where you can just treat your body like crap and then go out there and play four or five games in a day. It's unbelievable. And they play hard. Like they, they do not hold back. Like I've definitely gone on the field and I'm all like, Hey, I don't want to guard this guy. He's too fast. And I just don't want to today. <laughs> I'm definitely that girl at public sometimes. And I'm like, whatever, I don't care. 
But yeah, the kids are yeah. hard. As long as you're out there playing, that's the main thing. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if you can call it playing at this age, at this point. I'm definitely out there standing with a hurl in my hand. <laughs> I don't know what else is happening. You can ask the uh, regulators. Yeah, I want to say thanks to Tanner and Kim for coming on, doing great stuff with the NCGA by the sounds of it. Um, thanks to our sponsors, Mesita. And thanks to everyone that's listening out there. Uh, if you like this episode, do us a favor and uh, give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever you can do, share it with your friends. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.